Surprise! We're taking the EdUp Experience podcast to Insights EDU. Join us for an incredible higher education marketing and enrollment management conference February 20th to 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EdUp Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio back with you on another episode. And you are fast and furiously pushing now towards 800 episodes before this year ends. I actually think we'll pass that pretty easily, considering how many we have in the hopper. We continue to bring the most amazing people to the microphone, amazing combinations of hosts and guest hosts. I'm usually the part that doesn't count that much. After I do this intro, I just hand it over to people and they take it. But I got to tell you today, I'm very excited to talk about learning. We're going to talk a lot about learning today. And this is what we do, right? Whether you work in K-12, you work in schools, high schools, middle schools, you work in higher education, you work in post-secondary ed of some kind, you work for ed tech companies like Chrysler. We're all learning something and we all start learning young. And it's important to talk about how we progress in life with learning, but enough about that. I'm going to bring my guest co-host in first. And uh, this is his first time as guest co-host. So I promise that I will not be too hard on him, even though he texted me before and said he was excited to show me up with his skills in the microphone. And I said, John, come on. Nobody can do that like me. So we're going to have to see how... He does. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. His name is John Vilo. He is partner lead at Google for the digital marketing team. John, what's going on? Doing great. It's Friday. It's a little rainy in New York, but I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you with us. How, how are you feeling about your first guest co-hosting gig here on the Edup Experience? I'm feeling good. I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit in the hot seat, but it's go big or go home. So I'm Surprise. ready. Surprise. We're going we're gonna to take it easy on you, but we're, our guest may not. Take it on. He, he may yeah. just say, John, why don't you ask me a really great question? And then you're going to feel the pressure to come up with something. So I'd like to see that happen. Ladies and gentlemen, my esteemed guest today, we've been trying to get him on and then he would cancel and reschedule and cancel and reschedule. Apparently he's busy. He's got this really small job at this really small company. No, here he is. He's a pretty important guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Sunil Gundari, he's chief innovation officer and head of mastery and adaptive products at Age of Learning. Sunil, what's going on? Hey, can I just call you Dr. J? Joe, it's usually how I go, but yeah, Dr. J. Actually, now that you mentioned it, maybe I should start going by that. That has a ring to it, man. It does. It have really a ring does. <laughs> Especially coming it. on 800, 800 episodes. Congratulations on that. And John, I'm pleasure to be with you on your first podcast hosting gigs. Glad to be here. Thank you. Sounds like victory for all of us here. So we're gonna, Sunil. So we want to jump right in. First of all, age of learning. I always say if you don't know age of learning. If you haven't heard of it before, it's probably unlikely because you have, you might have a kid. And if you have a kid who has ABC mouse, that's probably likely, which means that you're interacting with age of learning. So let's set the stage for us. Tell us about age of learning as an organization. Absolutely. We, ABC mouse is a uh, resource that over 30 million kids have used in the U S 50 million worldwide. Uh, to help them get ready for school and beyond. Uh, the company was founded uh, 15 years ago to bring all kids to, to not only deliver academic success, but to really develop a lifelong love of learning 
And, and you know, as you think about where learning starts, it starts when you're we're really young. And unfortunately, what you see a lot of times happen is that, and we see this throughout our data, is that kids love to learn. It's You see it in the experiences with kids, your own kids around you. And unfortunately, sometimes when we put them into formal learning environments, that love of learning stops. And so our efforts have been around how do we keep that engagement? How do we keep that motivation to learn? In addition to ABC Mouse, we've been really invested in building what the future of learning looks like. And the way we, and I'm sure we'll talk about that today and I'll have, and because it's John's first podcast as a host, he can ask me all the questions about personalized mastery learning and ecosystems and such so that we can cover that. No, no pressure, John. But before we get there, I just want to, I, the thing about learning is that it's always learning is always faster with the right tools. And Sunil, you're, see, I downloaded that for you, by the way, your job of innovation in innovation is to come up with new, is it to come up with new ways to foresee the future of learning, to bridge the gap between where we're starting and where we need to go? Talk to me about your focus when it comes to mastery and learning and innovation. Where do you live? What pocket are you living in right now? The pocket that we live in as a company is a pocket that we have learning, a systemic learning problem Mm. And we need to solve it, right? And you look at it from a, a young learner perspective. 60% of our children in this country do not achieve proficiency in math or reading by the time they're in fourth grade. And if you nice. look at it among our low-income populations, 80% are not proficient in math and reading by fourth grade. So nice. if you start, it, start looking at this from a problem, what problem we need to solve, and then what tools do we have available? That's how you we look at it, and that's what we care about. And it, it encompasses technology and learning research in terms of how we're going to get there and solve that problem. But we, the economic opportunity, the opportunity in people's lives, it all starts with learning and where they can go. It's, a, it's an important social determinant in addition to healthcare and housing, and we owe it to ourselves, our society, and our children to ensure that we create these experiences that work for them and gets them to where they need to be successful. I love that. John, I'm going to pass it to you, but I got to set you up the right way, my friend. And here go. Thank you. I think it sounds like learning outcomes are a big part of how you evaluate going forward with mastery, <clears throat> with innovation across the board. I'm interested to know what's your framework, what, what's your approach to developing and testing new learning products? I know ABC Mouse is like a heritage uh, brand, but when we're thinking of your newer products like Homeschool Plus, how did you get that ball rolling? Absolutely. It, it's it's funny that we we don't look at products as being heritage. We because the the if you think about the opportunity with tech-based products is that you have a con consistent feedback loop. And that feedback loop tells you what's working, what's not working as well as it should be, and what sort of impact you're making. So we can use data to inform our, 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 our design decisions on an ongoing basis based on what type of outcomes we're getting for our users. And if you think about it from a, a perspective of new products, we're able to build upon what we already have learned from 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 ABC Mouse, and and now our our new products that we're bringing to school, my math and my reading academy, 
that we know a lot about young learners and we know about how they, what engages them in learning. And then we started looking at unsolving for when we built these new products, my math and my reading academy is like, how do we, how do we make it work in a school environment? What do we need to solve for so that we can solve these proficiency problems for all of our, for all of our fourth graders and beyond as they go through life and really create a, a meaningful effect on them that I can solve problems even if I don't understand something now, that's a temporary condition because my ability to learn allows me to uh, to take on any challenge that might be presented. Did you, when you were, I, I know this COVID question gets old, but I, I think about being a dad and you go through COVID and I'm home, we're homeschooling for a little bit and I'm going to ABC mouse. I'm looking for any app I can find to, cause I'm not a teacher and I I'm looking for tools to complement that learning or supplement the learning that took place. Now we talk about learning loss, right? The kids just have this learning loss and I hear learning loss. And I think a lot of people hear learning loss and you hear it and you go, yeah, but what does that actually mean? What does learning loss mean? Does it mean that kids are behind where they should be? Does it mean they didn't get this, the concepts in the first place? Did it just skip a year of learning? How do you think about that at age of learning, about learning loss? Is it affecting uh, lower income populations? Is it, is it that specific? Or there's a lot of questions there about learning loss. Yeah, it, it's a great question. And the, the, the data that I presented to you about proficiency that existed pre-pandemic. This wasn't, it's not new that we are, we have some problems in terms of getting our kids to proficiency in math and reading. The no question, the pandemic extended that, but a fundamental to solving, whether it's the, the post-pandemic or the pre-pandemic problem in terms of getting to proficiency is something uh, we think about from a framework perspective, John, and you'd asked about that. Uh, and we think about is in terms of our process, which we call learning engineering, which is getting to outcomes, is to recognize the individuality of each of our learners and to create systems that have that allow us to evaluate what knowledge they come into with a learning situation and then serving to them what they need to learn next that allows them to demonstrate mastery so we can tailor individual learning paths to every child. And that's our framework. And that's what we built with our personalized mastery learning system is really looking at what a child knows, what do they need to learn next? How do we help them learn what they need to learn next? And, and so that they can create a, a successful trajectory towards proficiency in whatever subject they're learning. Tell them you like it I, is. I wanna jump in and add on to what Joe asked. What do you see as the parent's role in children's education now? Is that evolving? Do you think that that should take a step back? How are you seeing it? The as we think about the, our, our mastery learning system, we have, have actually written several papers about it being an ecosystem. And that ecosystem includes this concept known as more knowledgeable others. So you have the learner, the student, and then you have uh, peer groups and teachers, for example, right? And then you also have parents. And all of them are learning about the student and their experience and then how they can contribute and how do we so our goal then is we can generate a lot of data from uh, our programs my math academy my reading academy on what a student is doing where they are in their journey um, how they're progressing individually through their trajectory to learn more so where exactly are they and then present data to teachers 
as well as parents on how they can support them on that journey. And, and John, let me answer this really specifically for you. So imagine that we know that your child has just learned to count to 20, right? Through our system. The, that's what my math academy is telling us. We now have, we the parent can access or will they'll be sent information to say, hey, your Johnny just learned to count to 20. You know, why don't you just congratulate him on being able to count to 20 to start with? And you imagine what that does. Wow, my, my parent knows this and cares about it. Okay, now you've congratulated him. Ask him, ask him to do that for you. And that kind of, not only does my teacher care about my learning, my parent cares about that learning, it makes my, them proud. It just creates this incredible loop of that learning is important. I love it. And my parents care about it and they know what I'm doing. And this is important. So that's that they're critical. And I guess that's the takeaway. Hmm. We, you said it before we started recording the whole generative AI generative. I can't ever say that word. I'm noticing that whole AI craze. It's like the sexiest question of the moment. You ask any guest and you go, how are you, what's going on with AI? But when it comes to learning and it comes to kids and it, I've talked about it, here in my context, Lindenwood, we have 18, 17, 18 year old traditional students coming to us with this expectation. They've got this almost this ecosystem of AI tools they're already experiencing. Sometimes they don't even know it, but they go, but I could do that before and I can't do that here at the university. What does that mean? Can you talk about how do kids understand AI right now? Do they understand it? Are you embedding it in everything? What's the starting point? What's the age? How do you, there's so much there and we don't have that much time. So unload on us. Let me try. Let me try. So the approach is we have to be really careful, right? With the, the age groups that we are of our students in terms of exposing just AI to them directly. We're doing a lot of experimentation around that so that how can we create new interfaces? So a lot of the kids that we are, a lot of our kids that are on our platform are really young. They can't read, right? They're four right. or five, six years old. So when we, so just putting them in front of Chat, chat GP is Chat GPT is not going to be an experience that they're really going to get that much from. So how do we address that? We are experimenting with creating learning co-pilots. So for example, with ABC Mouse, how does he become a co-pilot for students on their journey to help them? or point them to knowledge that they want to acquire and then how fun it is to acquire that knowledge and, and, and be a guide on the side along the way in this, this powerful learning journey that each student wants to take. We're using it extensively to through our own production processes, including from the, end, the beginning, which is like, how do we use research-based methodologies. There's a lot of research. We produce a lot of research. And I'm sure Joe at your university, you do as well. And that, how do we take that research and use it to inform our product decisions as we talked about learning engineering and, and be research-based and, and, and then use that to drive persistence from a behavioral perspective. You talked about uh, user experience, user design. How do we make that better so that the there's the right nudges and behavioral guidance to get us to the, the next step. And then ultimately for us, and what's really important, when you want to solve big problems like proficiency and better outcomes, how do we measure that we are doing this in a way that is actually producing efficacy or evidence mm -hmm. of our effectiveness? And one of the things we're really proud of is that if, if you look at our new products, My Math and My Reading Academy, we have 13 
ESSA, and ESSA is the federal government standard for evidence, 13 ESSA validated studies that show that our that my math and my reading academy are effective at not only accelerating learning, but increasing a child's motivation to learn, as well as their confidence in learning, and ultimately helping them develop a learner identity. So that's not going to only impact what they're doing now, but what can impact them in the future, all the way through post-secondary. And the opportunity with AI is we're just getting started with how we can improve uh, both the delivery, what a child, what a student is going to see, how the humans around them, parents, teachers, peers can help them uh, impact them on this learning journey, help them persist. And, and then ultimately that it's actually delivering the results that we all care about. And Amazing. All Attention. Are you ready to elevate your institution's marketing and enrollment strategies? Join the EdUp Experience podcast at the Insights EDU conference, February 20th to 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona. Don't miss out on this opportunity to hear from engaging speakers from industry-leading companies like Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, and higher ed leaders. Learn the latest marketing and enrollment strategies to grow your programs. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Attention. Yeah, so Neil, it sounds like the basis of starting at least testing AI is coming from, okay, let's see what the benefits are for personalized learning, right? I'm sure you're also trying to balance what this, what are the implications to uh, security and privacy because of the age of children who are on your platform. So are there any risks or are there, do you see any concerns in the future? Or maybe this is something we don't have to worry about once the tech gets a little bit more mature. We, we approach it from, we, we, we want to mitigate any of the risk. Of course, we're SOC 2 compliant. We work through, we work with the largest districts around the country, and we're very conscious of, of, of privacy concerns and as well as concerns with new tech. So, but that's just, that's part and parcel of our business. And yeah, it, it existed before AI, it'll continue to exist with AI. So we, but we're optimistic that we can solve for that part of it and we can create ethical and, and solutions uh, that work to that really drive outcomes and really improve the learning environment, the learning ecosystem and, and really impact society. Yes, are we cognizant of the risk for sure, uh, but we believe they can be managed in a way that allow us to move the needle in terms of impact. That is amazing. I want to just jump in real quick and talk because you use, although I work in higher ed and you're talking about younger kids, you're using the same words, persistence, retention, outcomes. Uh, so the learning words are without age. So when you talk about persistence, uh, are you, when you talk about outcomes, you must measure or you have to think about how much can you keep people on the apps? How much are they learning from those apps? How do you measure that they're learning from ABC Mouse or from the other products that you have? Is it engagement? Is it Are there tests built within gamification? This With kids, everything's got to be gamified, right? Or else they're just not going to be interested in it. So how do you measure and feel satisfied that things are working the way you want? You know, that's a great question. And it was really important as we set up our structure. And if you don't, if you don't mind, when I talk about learning engineering and what I mentioned before, let me tell you a little bit about what that team looked like. And it was, I, my, my background is I came from Walt Disney. I worked on mobile products. We built mobile, mobile games. 
And I was really excited about this opportunity to apply that learning of how games are naturally created to motivate behavior. And actually games are designed to help you. They're designed to learn, to learn about the game, right? So you have a gradual release where you start with something easy, with some surprise and delight to, to motivate you to continue, but you're learning how to play the game and get better at the game. One of the theses we had is like, how do we do that in education? It's from a motivation perspective. So the behavioral economics of what a game looks like. And then that to address the question about persistence in terms of how learning happens, we wanted, we ensured that we had master teachers that worked with us from the get-go to help us build out what does a child need to learn? So that was really important. So what motivates learning? What helps a child learn? And then some of the, sorry, my team members, like Diana Hughes, who came from, from USC, the number one game design school, she had worked in serious gaming. And so a part of what she brought to the table was interaction design. And what we did also is with our learning sciences. So we brought in learning scientists, cognitive science scientists who really understood learning and said, all right, how do we measure learning within the context of, of, of a, a game experience? And there's research out there by a guy named Bob Mislevy, who has, he has a framework called evidence-centered design. And effectively, what we did was design our games to capture evidence of learning. So mm. it's our games within our programs, my math and my reading academy, are actually assessments. And not just assessments to say you've mastered something, but also assessments to provide real-time formative feedback. Like in a learning environment, what you want is if, if you could, you'd like every teacher in a classroom, when a child has a question, to be able to answer that question. We can do that with technology. So when we know how a child is doing in a performance by actually playing the game, we can give them scaffolded feedback that they need just in time to help them get through the understanding. And, and, and what it also prepares them for, and we know this from gaming, is like failure is fine. It's how you learn. It's how you learn to play a game. And, and so that is just a part of learning and making mistakes, 100% okay. It's just a part of the learning process. And you, if you persist and persevere, you will learn it and you will move on and learn something else. And that encompasses our approach to, uh, to how we did this. Learning so quickly. I and mean, John, I'm going to pass to you in a second, but I, what you said, Sunil, so last, I am a gamer. I have a PS5. I'm not ashamed. I'm a mid forties uh, man and I play video games and I'm fine with that. And don't judge me. It's the way I release at night. I don't do a lot of, of things. I got two kids. Everybody goes to sleep and that's the way I don't think about work. And I'm sitting there. I think about this all the time and I go, I will sit there and I will play the same thing over and over again. And if I get killed or I can't move on, I'll try it in different ways. I'm solving a puzzle. I'm remembering parts of that puzzle so that if I don't get through it, I'm stacking those again and then adding on to them. I, taught, I was talking to Paul, uh, Paul LeBlanc from Southern New Hampshire University, the president there. We were talking about gaming. You just do the same thing over and over and over until you master it. That's really what true learning is. And we have to provide a safe space for people to do that. Because when you become, you do that as a kid, but when you become an adult, we don't give you as safe of a space to do that. You get a grade. And if you didn't do that, here's a grade. And this somehow defines you for the rest of your life that you got a bad grade or you, and it's not about grades. Learning is not grades. We had that conversation, right? Learning is getting something done after you try it until you master it. Isn't that right? I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, it, and it's our responsibility to get students through that learning journey. It's not our responsibility to evaluate 
how they did, it's a responsibility to get them to proficiency. And I, and I think the same, whether it be for our K-12 system or higher ed, when I went to school, you probably remember, and you probably hear it now, like professors that pride themselves on how many kids they fail out. And I'm like, how is that your job to have a weed out course? Why isn't yeah. it? I want to get every single student I have to proficiency because that's my job. Yeah. John, John over to you. And, and please don't judge me for the video game thing. No, you're good. That's a great segue for me because I was thinking a little bit about like accessibility and equity. I want to know what the next, what the future of my math and my reading academy looks like. My, I have a niece who's six years old now, and she has been using ABC Mouse forever. Uh, the school she's going to doesn't have my reading academy, doesn't have my math academy. And I would just love to know like what the plans are down the line. How does it get everywhere? What, what are you going to do to, to make sure every student can have access? And, and you know, as we move from our history of being a consumer company, right? ABC Mouse, we sell to parents and that's who buys it. We've offered it free to schools and they've been using it. Teachers have been in their classrooms. The move to my math and my reading academy and actually move to the school's business uh, to go back to a question you asked previously, Joe, was or, or a topic you brought up was driven by the pandemic. Because what we realized is as many kids that are able to use uh, ABC Mouse and had access to it, we knew that really to move the needle in terms of proficiency in math and reading at an early young age, we had to be in schools. And that's why we decided to, to go into our into the K-12 system. And, and to get to those results, John, that you asked about, we knew that a lot of providers are out there already. So how do we differentiate ourselves? We differ differentiate ourselves by having products that, that are engaging, motivating for the child. Joe, going back to your comment about being game-based, they come in, they're playing a game, but they're learning at the same time. Yep. And in terms of the, a comment I made earlier about evidence, we are so committed to showing that we are helping kids of all socioeconomic backgrounds achieve proficiency, accelerate learning, being motivated to learn, identify as a learner. That is part and parcel of the evidence base that we're creating to, to get us out there quicker. Because our story and our success is going to be because we have the most effective product in the market and that to get kids to proficiency. And if we, as we achieve that, I'm convinced and the company's convinced that the that it's going to be pervasive. It's going to be everywhere because this is what is needed. Right. That's true. It is what it is needed. John, do you have any more questions for Sunil before I give him the final two, which I, I, I'm hoping he takes his time to answer them because they're tough. I have a million more, but I can take that offline with him. I'm going to let you go. Um, Sunil, we, by the way, if you go to ageoflearning.com, everyone should go to ageoflearning.com. There's a ticker on here. I, and I actually had, I got to there, I went to the website and I saw this ticker. It moves faster than when you put gas in your car, which they like to get gas company. They want to charge you as fast as possible, but this is moving even faster. And it's the activities being completed across all age of learning platforms and products cumulative to date. It's insane how fast this moves. You start to put it into context, 11.58 billion, billion with a B activities being completed. Put this into context for us. Do, do, it, 
do you think about that? Do you wake up in the morning and go, I, I am just affecting millions of kids across the, you know, what an immense and uh, a responsibility and privilege that you all have at Age of Learning. Is that like a topic that comes up? Like, guys, we have this huge responsibility. We, we have to be right. Every Not only do we have to be right, but we have to be fast. And, and the urgency, every, every child's life matters. Every child that doesn't get to proficiency in reading, the consequences in terms of lifelong success are so dire that there is a combination of we are so fortunate to get to do this purpose-driven work and have the support of our all of our stakeholders, our my colleagues at, at our management team, as well as our, our investors who all believe in our mission that we are doing something that is going to improve outcomes for individuals, the communities they live in, and then society overall. Yeah, that every day you wake up and saying, wow, I get to do something that matters. That's, that's awesome. It's amazing. What do you want to say about age of learning? Anything that we haven't talked about? I'd like to give my guest an open mic. Say anything you want about your company, your team, whatever comes to mind. You know, what I'd like to say is that we are in the business of making impact. And as we I, I look to our teams and when we talk about our teams, like everything we do is around the innovation space is innovation for impact. And that is what age of learning is about as a company. It's about accelerating impact for all children and really leveling the playing field so that we can maximize the societal value that the com our company creates. And we're excited to be able to do that. And we definitely feel like it's a real privilege. Sunil, I've interviewed over 700 and something, probably 750 people in and around higher ed, K-12, ed tech. So my brain is full. I've got all this knowledge, but here's one thing I know. You're not the only one cursed with knowledge. So I need you to tell me, what is the future of education? I think the future of education is really going to be what we're doing around this personalized mastery learning system. We are going to better understand each individual learner. We're going to deliver what they need so that they can create their own individual paths to mastery. We are going to you know, break the stranglehold of a system that was a factory-based system that was started 100 years ago that was based on an average student and what they're expected to learn on average over a 12-month period of time and really unlock the potential of all learners based on where they are and where they want to get to. And we have all the tools to get there, and I can't wait to do this. This is the most exciting time I think we've had in education. We have just a, such an incredible opportunity to, to make impact and change what learning looks like over the course love of the it. Five to 10 years. Said, my friend, I, I, I love your passion, by the way. It's incredible. And thank you for, thank your team over there from a dad that had his kids on ABC Mouse. It's what it's about. So appreciate it. And I appreciate John, by the way, for co-hosting with me. John, you did great, man. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks for having me. And Sunil, like super refreshing just to hear your perspective too. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest host today, it won't be the last time you hear him. He'll be back. His name is John Vialo. He is partner lead at Google for the digital marketing team. John, one down, many to go, my friend. We got it. All right. And Sunil, I can't tell you what a pleasure and an honor it was. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, he's your guest today. His name is Sunil Gundaria. He is Chief Innovation Officer, Head of Mastery and Adaptive Products at Age of Learning. Did you, Sunil, did you enjoy your time here with us today? 
fabulous. I got to meet Dr. J. <laughs> and I got to and I got to break in a newbie host. So this That's is right. Good, I really uh, appreciate the opportunity today. Thank you. Thank you, Sunil. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped. Oh yeah. Attention, higher ed marketing and enrollment management professionals. We are taking the EdUp Experience podcast to Insights EDU. Join us at Insights EDU on February twentieth to twenty second, twenty twenty four, in Phoenix, Arizona. Gain insight into the latest higher education trends and cutting edge marketing strategies that'll take your institution's enrollment to a whole new level. This is your opportunity to connect with higher education leaders and marketing experts from across the country. Comprehensive presentations, engaging panel discussions, and more. Insights EDU will equip you to position your institution for growth. Register now at insightsedu.com and use the code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Can you afford to miss this conference? I don't think so.